Welcome and thank you for joining us for the Church by the Glades podcast. If you would like more information about Church by the Glades, including service times and directions, visit cbglades.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Oh, what is up, CBG? It's good to see you. All right, all right. Really, seriously, you guys knew that Anthony Evans, one of the great worship leaders in America, would be with us. We announced that ahead of time. But uh, what a great surprise to have Jade Warshaw back in the house. If you're not clapping, you must be new around here. Jade was part of our worship team for about 10 years and just went to work for Ramsey Solutions. Uh, that's Financial Peace University people. She has a great story of her and Sam uh, six months ago. And if you were surprised, guess what? I was surprised. I didn't know she was here until she tapped on my shoulder last night. Nobody knew except for Lucas. And Lucas put a bogus name for Jade on our planning center all week long. So what a great surprise to have two of the best worship leaders in America with us at CBG. Hey, guys, bump up the church lights because this crowd's so good looking. I want to see them a little better than I do right now. Hey, if you're here, uh, welcome. Great time. And we launch a new series, a new set of talks called Undead Iguanas. And the little video bumper might have given you a clue as what I'm gonna talk about. It's a phenomenon that happens in our ecosystem in South Florida. And if you're watching right now online or on TV, I don't know, in New Jersey or Nebraska or Nigeria or Nepal, you're like confused. What are you talking about? Undead iguanas. Let me give you some, some context. It's something we find that happens here. Our physical campuses are in South Florida. And in South Florida, we have a lot of wildlife, a lot of animals, a great diversity in the ecosystem. And we have lots of lizards, mainly little lizards. Since I'm a little boy, little lizards all over the place in South Florida. But lately, last years, few decades, we got big lizards. We have iguanas. And if you live in some northern climate, iguanas are large lizards. They can grow, what, three and a half, four and a half feet sometimes, if you measure the tail. They look like baby dinosaurs. Uh, and they're not native to South Florida. They're an invasive species. We think probably some pet iguanas got away, and they not just survived in our environment. They thrive. They reproduce. They're kind of everywhere right now. And, and they're not a big problem. They, they don't really have much of a nuisance. They leave some iguana poops on the porch once in a while. Uh, all the hibiscus flowers in Florida have disappeared. If you notice that, they love those. So it's not really a big deal or a menace, but they're everywhere and they do really well, except when it's cold. Now here in South Florida, it is seldom cold. If you're shivering in Minnesota right now or somewhere, it's, it's not, our, it's our summer, our winters are beautiful, right? 70s, 80s, but on rare days, it'll hit the 50s, occasionally hit the 40s. By the way, we freak out when that happens. We all own what, two sweaters? So on day number three, we're recycling our clothing already. We don't know what to do with the cold. We don't want to go to work or go to school. We don't do well, and the iguanas don't do well. Their native habitat is tropical. Here it's subtropical. They don't get cold weather where they're from. So here, when it gets cold, they start dropping out of trees. And you'll find, it was, there was a cold snap like a month or two ago. We were finding these big dead iguanas everywhere, just kind of nasty. In fact, I love transparency in church. If I could just be transparent, I have a phobia. Put your hands together at your campus if you have a phobia. Do you have a phobia? Have a weird, embarrassing fear? Something creeps you out? Yeah, you can put that in the chat online. You have a fear, you can share it if you want to. So here's one of mine, it's weird. I have a phobia of dead lizards. They creep me out. Now, living lizards I'm fine with, because they show up, what, in our houses here, 
Once a week, you find a lizard, you just catch it, right? You a little gecko or something, you just catch it, practice catch and release. I do that all the time. Even an iguana in the house, I'd be fine. But dead lizards just, and if I can break this down a little more than I need to, they come in two varieties. You have the one that died behind the couch back in 1984, <laughs> and you find it's a little crispy, like a little stick, like it's frozen. That, one, that one's not bad. I can get a little tissue paper. It's the fresh, juicy ones. Oh, oh. So when we have the latest cold snap, I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, if I walk out and there's a big dead iguana laying on the hood of the SUV, I'd be like, Lisa! Lisa, come get the broom. You need to get this iguana because I don't do dead iguanas. They're disgusting. I don't like dead lizards. But like, it's been too long on this big idea. Not everyone feels that way. I don't fact check me. I do this from memory. But there was a freeze back in 2010. And I saw this story on the news about a little boy that went around collecting the dead iguanas. I can't remember if he had his little red wagon or repurposed uh, shopping cart from Walmart. But he collected like 15 of these big four-footers these dead iguanas, and he took them home to his bedroom and he played dinosaur with them and his wife. Could you? <laughs> if I was that parent, I would stroke out at that moment, right? That's it. I'm going to heaven right there. I don't do dead iguanas. So what's this all about? This is actually a series about uh, life and death. Life and death. The one common denominator. We don't get out of this life alive. But if you know Jesus, there's life after death. We are God's undead people. And so I wanna spend, undead iguana is about the resurrection stories of the Bible. Now the foundation of our faith is firmly built upon the bedrock of Jesus' resurrection from the dead as a fact of history. It's not a fable, it's not mythology, it's not a metaphor. We believe on the third day, Jesus arose from the dead just the way the prophets predicted and he said he would. And if Jesus Christ be not risen from the dead, we're wasting our time. So this thing is built on one resurrection. You may not know there are 10 other resurrection stories in your Bible. There are three in the Old Testament, they're remarkable, and there are about seven in the New Testament. And I wanna focus on one of those today. In fact, I'm gonna just kinda tee it up, tease you today and talk about something related to it. John chapter 11 might be, outside the resurrection of King Jesus, my favorite miracle in all the Bible. It's a story about a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus, when I say name, when I say name, when I say three, you shout the name Lazarus. One, two, three, Lazarus, Lazarus, the story of Lazarus. He's a buddy of Jesus, Jesus loved him, uh, loved his two sisters, Mary and Martha, but guess what, Lazarus gets really sick. In John 11, he gets sick unto death and he dies. And he's dead three, he's dead four days, he's four days dead, so he's really dead. And then Jesus shows up and there's a miracle of resurrection. It's awesome. I wish I could be there in the crowd that day while Mary and Martha are weeping. It seems like it's beyond hope. But Jesus steps in and he, see, for us, death is what? Death is at a hard stop. Death is at an abrupt period. Death for us drips with finality and even fear, unless you know Jesus. Jesus can mess up a good funeral. This is exactly what he does. And he says something, just I wanted this, I love this verse in John eleven twenty five 25, on the big screen behind me. I love what Jesus says to Mary and Martha when they're so saddened by their brother's death. And they think, they think, by the way, Jesus was late. Ever feel like God was late to your party? That you're checking your watch, you need your miracle, and God did not show up on time? I'm gonna preach in a couple weeks when God loves you enough to be late. 
Because it feels like Jesus' timing was off on this story, but it was not off. But I love what it says in John eleven twenty five 25 on the screen right now. It said, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though dead, yet shall he live. Live. Resurrections are God's specialty. Let's talk about it today. And I want to I deal with something very personal today. My church, I love this church. I don't love this church just because I'm the pastor of this church. Two of us, we love this church. Thank you, yes, we love you, me, brother, and we love this church. Um, I, I'm honored to be a small part of what God is doing at Church by the Glades, and I'm passionate for this church. Uh, I, I defend this church. I love, I love teaching and being, I love everything we do here. It's not perfect by, by any means, but I love this church. But I do recognize our church is a bit of a weird church. We're not your normal church. If this is your only church experience, I just wanna tell you, we are an outlier as far as our methodology. Our theology, very, very conservative, very biblical. But the way we do ministry and the way we present, not the normal church. And so many people walk in and they say, why? Why? David, why do you guys have, I don't know, LEDs and hazers? And why do you use the music that you use? And why? Why do you do themes? And why is a series called Undead Iguanas? That's kind of weird. Granted, it is. Why, why, why? I'm never offended by a good, honest why question so I want to kind of explain why we have become the church that we are. And I want to give you a little bit of the journey because I think it's a very important thing because for people in the room, maybe you're in a situation as we told the idea of life and death, that your dream has died. Maybe you had a, um, a relational dream or a financial dream or a vocational dream. But that dream, not a selfish dream, by the way, what you thought was a God dream, but something's happened and that, that dream has died. Like, you know, I'll be transparent. Uh, you ever have grown-ups like a hard year, like a year, and you think you're like, man, my toughest year was blah, 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 blah. My toughest year is the year I turned 30. Not just when my 20s were done, and now things start to hurt when you get in your 30s, right? Your 20s, man, you can stay up late and whatever, nothing hurts. 30s, like, ooh, that hurt, my back hurts, right? You start to hurt yourself doing things like sleeping, all right, 30s, 30s. 30 was a tough year. We'll go to all the details, but some things in my life uh, I really hadn't done anything wrong, but some things fell apart in my life and they were big things that really hurt. And so I had to kind of redream the dream. And I was, I was chasing what I thought in my 20s was God's dream for my life. And I told you a couple weeks ago, don't make God's plan A your plan B. But when you think you're chasing God's plan A and your plan A, but the dream dies, look for God's plan B because God's plan B then is God's plan better, his plan brilliant, God's plan B is his plan best. His plan B is his plan blessed. You want all those things for your life. So I went through a time to pivot. I went back to school. I've been in ministry since the time I was like mid-20s. Uh, I, I went back to school to work on a doctorate because my pastor told me, anytime in life when you're not sure about your next step, go back to school. Learn something. That's probably pretty good advice. So I was working on my doctorate in counseling psychology, thinking I'll be a Christian counselor. I would have been a horrible Christian counselor. I don't do counseling. That's why there's not counseling offices of, uh, hours available pastor because I'm terrible at it. I'm not good at it, right? But it, I was trying, psychology's interesting, why people make decisions. Uh, so I was studying that and to keep the groceries coming, and I've told you all this before, I started working uh, with Lisa Evans, my agent, making TV commercials. I worked as an actor and, and did some print work. So like early 30s, I'm doing that, having a great time. Having a great time making some money. I was not a famous actor, I was a working actor. Doing commercials. Don't feel bad, by the way, for actors who make commercials. Don't look at Jake at State Farm and go, poor Jake. Or Flow Up Progressive. 
they're millionaires, man. They're doing just fine, right? So it was actually, we were pretty successful. And I thought, hey, this is the way I'm gonna serve God. This is my plan B. I'm gonna serve God by being in that industry that influences people and I'll keep my Christian values. All right, so here's what happens. So we're going that way. Lisa Evans and I are engaged, about to get married. We're hanging out at home. And we get a phone call from a brother named Dan Chapel, Mr. Dan Chapel from Coral Baptist Church. Now, I've been a pastor before, right? But it's been two years since I preached anywhere. He said, uh, uh, David, your pastor gave us your name. Uh, our interim pastor, our pastor has retired, got suddenly sick. We need someone to preach this weekend. I don't play the God spoke to me card very often. You know, God, God spoke to me. I, some of y'all play that all the time. I must not be saved. Some of y'all like, you know, God, God told me, you know, to sit in this seat, not this seat, to order the cheeseburger, not the hot dog. I'm not sure I must not be saved because the Holy Spirit does not communicate. There have been a few rare times outside of the Bible. The Bible is God speaking to me with clarity. But a few times God has, has spoken to me, or you know, not audibly, but Mr. Chapel said, would you come preach? I haven't preached anywhere in a long time. I was going a different direction in life, thinking I was following God's plan B, plan better, but I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered in my ears, say yes. It's one time. It's safe. And so I said, sure, I'd love to help you out. Be great. So guess what? I came to what was Coral Baptist Church, a.k.a. Church by the Glades. We were in a small building here in Coral Springs over on University, a little small Williamsburg-style building, architecture, looked like belonging on the side of a hill in South Carolina, not South Florida. And I came to preach. And that first time I preached, heaven just kind of fell. The power of God was pervasive in the room. Did an old school altar call. Dozens of people came to Christ and people got baptized the first time. Stop clapping, that didn't happen. I'm lying, totally lying. That did not happen at all. <laughs> I wish it happened. No, it didn't happen. That'd be like really obvious and clear. It didn't happen. I would just say church went pretty good. Church went pretty good. The sermon, you know, I'm, I'm a decent preacher. <laughs> I wish it happened. The sermon was like a B plus, A minus maybe. I don't remember anybody getting baptized or saved, not a single person. In fact, remember some of the people told me, hey, the guy who was here last week, a traveling evangelist, we had people get saved when he was here. No one got saved. No one got saved. I'm like, fine. I'm, I feel God's call a different direction. Glad to help you out this one week. And about three weeks later, they called me and said, hey, this, the guy who was gonna preach is sick. Still, would you come preach? And I said, yes. And maybe a third time they said, yes. Then finally, this church had all kinds of committees and they had, the interim pastor search committee asked to sit down with me and Lisa and said, would you please consider becoming our interim pastor? We need, not, not the full-time pastor ever because there were certain thresholds I didn't meet, criteria like I was younger than they wanted. I'm like, cool, I won't be your pastor anyways. And uh, so I, I agreed to be the interim pastor and I was here for a few months and we did see God begin to move. And, and the church, the church, oh my gosh, you know, the church had gone through some things before Lisa and I came here. It's some of the things, the reasons why if you grew up in church and stopped going to church, it was those things. It went through like, you know, all kinds of division and church politics. I don't mean like Republicans and Democrats. I mean, just little groups breaking off and getting mad at each other and judgmental. And, and like a couple years before I got here, one of the other, one of the pastors, associate pastors, like got mad and he took a group of people with him. They started another church right down the block. And, and then, then another group, another group left with a, a, a second pastor. And so once upon a time, Church by the Glades, Coral Baptist Church, ran about 950 people. Pretty good back in the you know, early 90s. But by the time I came, the church was half the size. And most of the people with money, they left. It was under-resourced. And the building was kind of falling apart. And then they had all these committees. 
They had the interim pastor search committee. They had the building and grounds committee. They had the flower committee. What's a flower committee? They had a transportation committee because they had one van. They had a committee for that. I was, all these committees and bureaucracy. Nobody doing ministry. Some great people, mainly senior adults. Traditional church. So I came to be the fill-in guy. You're not gonna be the main guy. And God began to move and people started to come to Christ and get baptized. The church began to grow for the first time in years. And, and uh, people said, man, would you think about being our pastor? I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> has the, not the interim pastor, has the pastor search committee ever talked to you? Who are they? No. <laughs> and after about four months of seeing the church begin to prosper and get healthy and begin to grow, uh, the fabled pastor search committee asked Tommy Pipkin, Tommy, if you're watching, he lives in Tallahassee now, Tommy said, David, can I sit down with you and Lisa, these, these people on this committee, and just, just have a conversation? We met one time. And they said, we think you're the guy. Would you pray about it? I'm like, okay, plan B. Plan B, plan better, plan blessed. I, I said, so here's one thing I like. Uh, we have this great traditional church, and it was so traditional. You ever go to church with choir and robes and organ, and everybody had gray hair or blue hair or no hair? All right, I said, listen, I, I dig it. That's the service you guys like, so we'll keep that classic service, but I'd like the permission to start a contemporary service to reach maybe younger people. And here's the one thing I ask that you don't judge the other group. Like contemporary people don't say to those guys, hey, y'all stuck in 1955, wake up, right? Uh, and you can't say that the new crowd like it's too loud, too crazy. We're gonna preach Jesus and his word and nobody judges anybody else. And to their credit, they said yes, and they honored that. And we watched this thing turn around. And so you don't know this, you're part of a church resurrection. And to see the blessing, what God has done, man, that church like nothing like, and I'm not, this is not about me, this is about what God did through those people. So if there's something in your life that has died, there's something, it may be uh, your business plan or your financial plan or your relational plan, or that was just a lot of uh, institutional dysfunction. Let me show you how God can breathe life into something that seems to be dead. So I'm gonna just share, this is kind of a very weird sermon, come back the next couple of weeks for more normal sermons, but I just wrote down some words and phrases that we kind of latched onto in those early years that I think God blessed to turn around a dead and dying church to make it become what we are today. Because back pre-pandemic, our church is 20 times larger than it was in 1997. That's God's glory. That doesn't happen. I know you don't care about churches, it's not your thing, but it's my thing, it's what I give my life to, is the Church of Jesus Christ. Churches that go through that decline almost never bounce back. They keep getting smaller and smaller till their buildings are empty and it's irrelevant. But we saw God breathe life into a dead church. So here are the words that God kinda gave us, we shared. Uh, take some notes, say these with me. One, two, three, I wrote down the word vision. One, two, three, vision, vision. It says in Proverbs 29, 18 on the screen right now, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. What is vision? It's that, that, uh, that, that word we use synonyms all the time. God's purpose or God's destiny or God's plan for your life. Vision is vital for God's people. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I've had a church life where there's no vision for the pastor, the people find a different parish. They go to a different church. So what is God's vision? What is God's plan for your life? What is, we spend a lot of time praying, God, what is your vision for our church? 
His vision, his plan, I love as he expressed in Jeremiah 29, 11 on the side screen right now. It says in the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a, what's that last word, a? No matter how dead it seems, you have a future. No matter how discouraged you are right now, how crestfallen, you don't see any way forward. If you have faith, God has a future. Even as I talk about resurrection, even if you don't get the medical miracle, even if it's stage four cancer and you don't survive in this life, the best part of the Jesus life is not this life, it's pretty good. It's the life to come. It's the guarantee of heaven. And no one gets out of this life alive. 10 out of 10 people die, amen? But I'm telling you this, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, and no matter how many people you love here on earth and how blessed your life, I got people I adore, people I would die for. But I'm telling you this, 10 seconds after you're in heaven, you wouldn't come back for anything. Vision, God has a vision for your life, a multifaceted, multidimensional vision. It will involve your financial life, your relational life, uh, students, your academic life, business people, your professional life, all those things, surely your spiritual life. And I'll tell you this, the fullness of God's vision is always expressed through the church. Uh, to know the fullness of God's vision, you immerse yourself in the church. Oh, David, you're just looking for people to volunteer, get engaged in the church, always. But this is not about that, this is about your joy. The most joyful people I know are Christian people immersed in the body life of the church. You see, God's vision for your life is so big that just financial success or professional success is not large enough to sustain the fullness of the wondrous weight of God's vision for your life. God has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. I wrote down the word honor. One, two, three, say the word honor. One, two, three, honor. This church is a house of honor. What we lack in this world right now, especially here in America, I love America, honor. We criticize, we rip people, we name call. What the heck? Where's your manners, America? This church is a church of honor. I, I won't belabor this, but uh, colleagues, who you know, this church turnaround is unique. This is. You know, most church experts, because of the decline in money and people back in the late 90s and the church splits and all the kind of politics, they would have said there's no way. They would have thought we were an ugly, dead, iguana church. They didn't know we were a Lazarus church. But when pastors say, well, David, how, how did you lead being a young guy? How did you lead all those senior adults? Is it easy? I loved them. And I valued them. And I respected them, I honored them. David, how do you lead a multiracial, multicultural church with all the chaos and polarization today? Easy, we love and respect and we listen to each other and we value each other, amen? I mean, I love our diversity. If you're watching online, I get it. I'm one of the whitest people I know. Sorry, I've been that way my whole life. But look around here. Our church is beautiful. Our church looks like heaven. You see every culture, every race represented. How does that even happen with all the chaos and all the tension, all the issues? Number one, we honor and respect each other. Broken people find themselves a home. At the, why do broken, messy people come to church by the glades? We don't judge them. We don't criticize them. We share the truth. Honor. I wrote down the word pushback. Pushback. 
Is that one word or two words? You can't decide. Is that one word? Pushbacks, one word, right? One word, hyphen, one word. Who votes one word? Church vote. One word, one word. Who says two words? Two words? We don't even know. All right, pushback. <laughs> Meaning this, back when I came, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, people just loved everything I did. Man, I came with all these ideas and stuff. People said, oh, everybody, no, of course not. Human beings. Uh, anytime there's institutional dysfunction, there's always people who defend the dysfunction, though they know it's dysfunctional, but the dysfunction is the only norm they know. Ever find yourself attached to something you know is not working? <laughs> it's hard, but it's your preference. When you've grown up or been for a long time in dysfunction, it's your comfort zone. So most people, what I love about the senior adults, who weren't all senior adults, but the senior adults where they recognized what they loved and their preferences, they weren't working. So they're willing to change some things. But some people resisted. Of course, anytime you're following God's plan or God's vision, there's always gonna be resistance. I think the devil's gonna just sit back and watch you waltz into the promised land. You gotta fight some battles. You gotta be strong. You gotta push through the pushback. Now, how do you do that? You nuke people. You blow them up. You get me? No, you honor, honor as you hold your ground and stand for your convictions, amen? There's always gonna be resistance. Don't quit just because it starts to get tough. Push through the pushback. I wrote down the word unselfish. Church and I say three, shout the word. All campuses, shout the word unselfish. One, two, three. Unselfish. Here's the crazy thing about a biblical New Testament Great Commission Church. We ask you to come be part of us, be part of this fellowship, this family. And the moment you say yes, we say, great, now stop thinking about you. Because all you've done, of course, is think about you or me. Why? Because we're selfish. Every time, so you're here for the first time, what do you, you pulled on the property, say, at this campus, what do you think about? Where am I gonna park? My car. How far do I have to walk? Where do I put my kids? Are they being good to my kids? Where am I gonna sit in this room? How am I liking the worship? How am I enjoying the music? What do I think of the announcement? Now I got this preacher guy. What do I think about his? It's human. Me, 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 me. I'm always on my mind. But Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've created. Lo, I'll be with you always until the end of the age. He said, wow, the moment you become my person, my disciple, flip it and reach them. So this is crazy. Well, I wanna bring meaningful ministry to you and to your family. I wanna encourage you and disciple you and celebrate you. And when you hurt, be there for you. The church is not about you or me. Jesus said, hey, here's the battle plan. Uh, lead the 99 to look high and low for the one that's still lost. That's a terrible business plan. That's terrible, because I'm part of the 99. You say, I'm part of the, I'm part of the majority. I'm part of the, the followers. I'm part of the flock. It's not first and foremost. No, no, so we had to choose to make church first and foremost about people who aren't here yet. Not here, not just the purpose of the church is let's keep the church afloat, let's pay the bills, let's take care of the staff, let's bring ministry. No, 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 all those things, yeah, they matter. But our choice was we're gonna win and love our community. We're gonna make church about people who aren't even here yet. We're gonna honor the Great Commission. That is so unselfish. When you get unselfish, amazing things will happen in your life. If you're watching the line, I love that about 40% of the people clap. Some people are like, what? Yeah. It's one of the secrets of success in any relationship. It's not about me. It's not about me. I wrote this down, this phrase, keep moving forward, keep moving forward quickly. Say it with me, keep moving forward. A great theologian said that back in the day. Uh, Walt Disney is famous for saying that. 
And he wasn't a theologian, but he is a genius, was a genius. And uh, that describes the many mistakes they made and how they didn't get stuck with their mistake. A mistake can immobilize you. So as we've seen God do great things in the two decades I've been around here, all these miracles, we've made so many mistakes. We have made all these great, in fact, I called some of the staff guys who have been around, like Tom Albright's been here the whole time, and I called, I said, Tom, what are some of the dumb things? I wanna share with the church some of the bonehead things that I have done over the years at Church by the Glaze. Uh, here, here's one, I wrote down after Easter, we always try to find a really sticky series after Easter so your Easter guests will come back. What's the thing they wanna talk? So back uh, two election cycles ago, when it was Trump versus Hillary, I had the idea, let's make the after Easter series, who would Jesus vote for? Nobody came to church. <laughs> like everyone in culture was talking about it. They were so mad. The last thing they went, what is God's opinion on these things, right? They didn't come. Man, it was crickets in here. Nobody came at all for that one. I thought it'd be this great sticky thing. Nobody wanted to be part. Uh, uh, we tried at this campus, uh, Sawgrass Coral Springs, a Monday night service for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like 12 people came, it was so hard. I'm driving back from the Keys to make this thing happen, didn't work, all kinds of, we did, we did uh, twice, two times maybe, a dog-friendly service. Put your hands together if you're a dog lover. Put your hands, you love your dog, yeah! Never bring your dog to church. Your dog does not belong in church. How do you love Poochie and everything? Oh my, we had, we had fur and fleas and barking and poop and pee running down these, oh, it was horrible. What a dumb idea. All these dumb ideas. Uh, make some noise, you made some mistakes in your life. Big mistake, yeah! I can keep going. We forgot to recognize veterans on Veterans Day. I love veterans too. My dad and brother are veterans. I mean, how bonehead. Don't let your mistake immobilize you. Some people are you're stuck because you've let this mistake define. It's just a chapter, it's not your whole story. So when you make a mistake, own it. Don't, don't justify it, right? I mean, that was so stupid, I'm so sorry. Own it, apologize, ask forgiveness. If it's, by the way, don't spiritualize every mistake. Some mistakes are just learning lessons. Christians are like, but I prayed, I prayed, I prayed first. Guess what? Christians pray all the time and make mistakes afterwards. So uh, learn from it, grow, get better. I, I love the quotable Winston Churchill. He said this about mistakes. He says, success consists of going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. Churchill had a great career. He made a lot of mistakes. I wrote down quickly, there's another motto, a statement. We can't afford the luxury of playing it safe. So our church, we do some things, some music, some production, uh, yeah, lights, hazers, we use some songs, we use some theming that other churches wouldn't do, and that's, that's fine. Other churches don't have to do it like us. But people think, oh, Church by the Glades is that edgy church, right? That provocative church. David Hughes is kind of this shock jock of pastors. If you know me, that's not how I'm wired at all. I, I'm like, I'm not this edgy person. Some people like to be up on your face, and I'm, I'm not that person. I'm kind of a cupcake, actually. I, 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 I don't like to ever offend anybody. I like, I like to try to make everybody like me, which is impossible. So I just pretend like you do. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm just trying to be really honest here, but for me, if the Bible is correct and the stakes of what we do here, this whole Jesus thing is heaven or hell. If it's not just life or death, it's heaven or hell. What the hell? We, we, we can't play it safe. I'll, I'll push the envelope. 
I'll cover whatever theme is making noise. I'll put 10 toes over the edge and the ledge. We'll do anything short of sin to bring one more person to Jesus. Their eternal destiny matters that much. So I don't like, I don't like, and the people who get offended tend to be religious people. I don't want to offend religious people. I love them, but guess what? It's, they're already going to heaven. It's for someone who needs Jesus. So we'll do whatever we can do to reach that person. And the cool thing, because y'all understand this, that you know the heart of this church, because we have grown so much, we can do some amazing things together, not just the people getting saved. I mean, the changes we've seen, yeah, we're 20 times larger enrolled. Well, that's actually before COVID. We're not quite as big anymore, but we're, we're coming back rapidly. Um, uh, gosh, the people we're bringing to Christ. Back in uh, uh, 1997, the year before I came to be the pastor, the church baptized in 12 months, 37 people. That's pretty good. That's more than most 37 people. And one weekend, uh, two weekends ago, we baptized 280 people in one weekend. That's you. Because we've grown and because we're unified, because you're generous, the, thing, the, the support, we support orphans in Haiti now for over a decade. We provide for their medica, medical needs, their food. You don't, not talk about this, we rescue babies in Grata, Guatemala that are on the edge of starvation. They live in such a rural region. These kids don't get enough food or good water or any medical care. And these kids are so close to death, they bring them to the medical center we support and they give them to the doctors. They just give them, sometimes for six months to, to gain help. I mean, what you guys do, we, we serve the city and we feed the city, releasing small armies of volunteers upon greater Fort Lauderdale to make a difference in Jesus' name. And this one I love, for 10 years now, we have campuses, not missions, in prisons in Dade County. And I'm very happy to know after a long hiatus due to state regulations and COVID protocols, now both Homestead and Dade CI. If you ever volunteer for these, these campuses, y'all are great, but they blow you out of the water. They worship their guts out. They are so engaged. They're, I see our best campuses are down south. That's because we're a church that refuses to play it safe. I hope we'll always do that kind of church. I hope we'll always risk. and get. Sometimes churches get big and they get, get we got property and payroll and budget. Hang that stuff. There are people going to hell. I wrote this down quickly. I'm out of time. I wrote down the word dream, the word dream, because just because the church is big and I've been doing this for a while, I haven't stopped dreaming. I haven't, I got dreams for the future. I wanna see God do some things. I, I got things, I'm not even sure how we can pull it off. I, 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 the, only, the only problem I've fixed since COVID is the parking issue at this campus. But I predict it's coming back. I'm praying for a parking solve. I don't know what that looks like. I'm, I'm praying for this. What we do production-wise lends itself first and foremost to big rooms. I'm praying here in Broward County, we'll get another big campus. I don't have a plan, I don't have a place. I don't have the money for it. We'll actually have all the money we need. Trouble is it's in your bank accounts. But anyways, we'll talk about that later on. <laughs> what I do have is awesome young leaders and a methodology that's working to reach South Florida. So just pray with me. Pray that God will open some door, some stadium, something crazy big. Let's, let's do something that, man, when our day is done, when our life is over, we go to heaven tired, exhausted, and grateful for how God has used us something not normal. Then finally, I wrote down the word life, the word life. That's the first thing you notice when you walk in one of these tunnels at your campus, the Church by the Glaze. When you come to the, you know, Dade CI, where there's very little life in that big environment. When you come into that church service, there's life and there's passion. That's what Jesus brings. Hey, Mary, hey, Martha, I am the resurrection, John eleven twenty five, 25, and the life. 
He brings life. So we're people, we, we got passion. We, we got energy. We got enthusiasm. We make noise in church. Every church needs to make noise. We like noise. Uh, we walk out of here excited. Sue me. I'm passionate for this. Jesus will bring life if you'll bring yourself to Jesus. And so I'm fired up. I'm in this long time. I'm, I'm not tired. I love this. I, I, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said this to preachers. He said, light yourself on fire and people will show up to watch you burn. That's where we are. And when Jesus invades a church, when Jesus is invited into your life, he brings passion. He brings forgiveness. He brings resurrection. So even something ugly, something that seems to be dead, something unpleasant, something that's disgusting, I want to walk away from that, that broken chapter. Let Jesus touch it. So I don't like iguanas. I don't like dead iguanas, by the way. Dead lizards creep me out. But I read that story back years ago about a little boy went out collecting those lizards, like, like 15 of those big lizards, and he brought them into the house to play with them when his mom didn't know. Now, when God made the iguana, he wired something very unique into their physiology. They don't do well with cold weather. But when it begins to get cold, yeah, sometimes they die, but they also can turn down their metabolism to almost nothing. They can shut it down where they seem to be dead, but they're not dead. And they will reanimate when they're brought into a warm environment. And when that story landed, well, you're a step ahead of me, aren't you? That, that little boy took those lizards, put them in his bedroom. And when mom made noise, he put all those large lizards under the bed where it was warm in that room and they reanimated. And I don't remember the detail of who found them, but I, in my mind's eye, it has to be mom. Like mom, like trying to get in the room with like big load of laundry. Your mom's like, right, you open the door with your foot and just turn around. And here's a room with all these large leaping lizards. Man, I'd have passed out, man, I'd have passed out. Oh my gosh, it's my prayer that God would take that ugly, disgusting thing in your life, that dead thing, and touch it with resurrected life. Reanimate your dream. Refuel your faith in Jesus' name. Father God, one verse. We drilled down on one verse. We got some other ones. But you are the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in you, though dead, yet shall he live. That is your promise. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Don't forget to stay connected with us by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CBGlades at Pastor D. Hughes.